And last week I walked us through the different kinds of love. I tried to define the word, the word's definition of love. And we kind of saw, saw some shortcomings with the uh, first three types of love that I talked about. You know, the storge, the filio, filia, is it filia or filio? Uh, the, uh, and the erotic, the erotic kind of love, romantic, you know, sexual attraction and things like that. There are shortcomings with this love because if you look at those love to a very much extent, they, they, are, they are a little bit inward looking. There's, to some extent, there's a, there's a reward, intrinsic reward that is kind of connected to them, right? Uh, I know the, the erotic kind of love is on the extreme hand because that one tends to, you know, uh, that one is driven by the sexual feelings you have towards a person. And many people have built their love life or their relationship on that. And we know what sexual feelings can look like today. They may be up tomorrow. Uh, they may be down. You know, they may be all over the place. So there are shortcomings with the human kind of love. That's what I'm trying to say. And towards the end of the service, I started talking about the God kind of love, the agape kind of love, the selfless, unconditional love of God. And this is what I'm going to be focusing on today. I'm going to be talking about the agape, the God kind of love, the selfless kind of love, and the capacity to love selflessly and also to establish boundaries, healthy, safe boundaries around you as a walking love uh, with your neighbor. Now, yes, last week I, I started defining or identifying uh, the categories of neighbors. And I said, fundamentally at the primary level, primary level, your neighbor is a disciple of Jesus. The reason why I think we need to clearly establish or describe the categories of love is because many Christians Look all look all around them, love people, you know, based on their definition of love, and they ignore the members of the body of Christ or mistreat members of the body of Christ. Guys, I, I've been pastoring for a few years now, but I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and I can tell you that I've seen a lot in my lifetime. I've seen a lot of abuse, I've seen a lot of um manipulation, I've seen a lot of preferential treatment and a lot of giving recognition to people of the world and ignoring the people of the household of faith. Mm. I've seen all manner of practice in the Christian faith. And that is why I'm bringing to you the practicality of the love work, what love really means. I've seen, I've seen a lot of abuse between pastors and church members, all in the name of love work, loving thy neighbor as thyself. I, at least I know a few people who preach the love of God so hard they preach the love of love work so hard and I cannot see the evidence of practical love in their life. Friends, now, walking in love towards people, towards your neighbor, it's not, lip, it's not by lip service. It's not by confession. It's not by mental accent. Walking in love towards people, loving your neighbor as yourself is a hard thing. It's something from your heart. So many people love with their lips, but they do not love with their heart. And these are the things we were looking at this morning. Amen. Now, can I be very honest with you? No human being on earth has the capacity to love the God kind of way. Mm -mm. No human being has the capacity to love the God kind of way. 
when we go into the book of 1 Corinthians 13, we'll look at the attribute, the characteristics of the God kind of love, and then you will see for yourself that it is impossible for you to love the God kind of way. Because every form of human love has a selfish, inward-looking dimension to it. Most of the time, many Christians do not even realize that the good things they are doing, the many wonderful things they do, the giving to the poor, giving their offering, their tithe, and all, all those services or those giving that we do in church, many people don't even realize that they are doing it for something they can get in return. The natural human love, thank you Holy Spirit, the natural human love will always do something to get something in return. But the God kind of love is the one that does something not expecting anything in return. The Bible tells us in the book of John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So God gave his Son for you and I so that we will not perish but have eternal life which means to have the life of God, come into a perfect, harmonious relationship with him, starting right here on earth. Now, God gave his son, Christ Jesus, to give us eternal life with the option of whether we choose to receive it or not. So God gave his own son to people who don't deserve it. Now, how many of us give gifts to people who deserve it or who don't deserve it? Most of us give gifts Precious gift, most precious gift, <laughs> our most precious possession. Most of the time we give it to people who deserve it, including myself. So I'm not talking just at you. I, I'm, I'm trying to let you understand that we're in the same boat. Amen. Right. So our most prized possession, I know. I won't give it to people who don't deserve it. I will give it to my wife. And not even because she deserves it, but because she's my wife. Amen. But God's level of love is beyond that. A few people have been able to give things their most priced, um, most priced and most precious possession to people who don't deserve it. That's God kind of love. Amen. So God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we're yet sinners, Romans chapter 5, while we're still the enemies of God, while we still hated God, he still loved us. Now, can I say something to someone? So if God loved you that much while you were still a sinner, so what makes you think he's going to love you less now that you're a child, his child? He gave everything. He gave his most prized possession. He gave the, the most valuable thing to him, his son Christ Jesus, for you when you don't deserve it. So religious, religious people or religion now teaches you, that, teaches you that now that you are born again, God will love you less. They've lied to you. So your shortcomings after being born again are not able to disqualify you for God's love. Because if your shortcomings and your inadequacies and your weaknesses could not stop God from giving a son for you or did not stop him from holding back a son for you. So if nothing that you did while you were still a sinner made God to hold Jesus back, then there's nothing that you can do after you're giving your life to Christ that will make God hold, I mean, stop loving you. Now, the love of God is from eternity to eternity. It's from, I mean, it's forever. It's unconditional. It's great. Amen. So, the God kind of love, from what I've explained to us, you can see or you can hear that you don't have 
natural capacity to love the God kind of way. Can I get a believing amen from people who are very sincere and honest and very truthful to themselves or myself? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, how do we go about this? God does not want to, God wants us to walk in love, the God kind of love, but we don't have the capacity to love the God kind of way. But God wants us to walk in love. So I'm going to show us how God has given us the capacity to walk in love, to love the Jesus kind of way, to love the God kind of way. Amen. So before I go into that, I also want to quickly, you know, uh, provide more information about your neighbor. So I said primarily your neighbor is, you know, primarily believers, disciples of Jesus. And secondarily, I'll say everybody else. Everybody else, your parent, your friends, anyone around you is your neighbor. Any and everyone around you is your neighbor. Kids, I'm not saying you should start treating your parents like your next door neighbor. Amen. But here we're talking about um, everyone around you. The Bible, when the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself, it's saying that love everyone as yourself. And I'm saying this with caution because I need to call out the caveat to this. Someone would like to challenge me on this topic and, and the things I'm sharing because they don't think or believe that, you know, I should be able to add some caveats to as to how to love. Now, the question I'll ask is this. So if you love everyone, everybody around you, in practical sense, demonstration-wise, giving your most prized possession, the way it is figuratively written in the Bible, how is it going for you? Do you have a life? No, no. Do you have a life? How is it going for you? Have you realized that people will take you for granted? People will write over you. People will cheat you. People will mistreat you. So how is that going for you? Many Christians today are very frustrated, are full of hate, resentment. They're just bitter towards everybody else, every Christian, because they can't see the Jesus in many Christians surrounding them. And they keep loving in court the Jesus kind of way. But people are molesting them. They are using them. They are taking advantage of them. <laughs> and they keep giving themselves to people to mistreat them. Friends, that is not intelligent Christianity. I repeat, that is not intelligent Christianity. If we go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, from, from verse 9 to 11, I think we should read it. It reads, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Not to, what, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I, certainly, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. That is, you need to die. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or a sister. You may not find sister there, but it's saying to any Christian, who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, the Bible says we should love our neighbor as ourselves, as, as ourselves, which means, you know, you keep company with people, your neighbor, you know, you make yourself available for them. You, you should be there for them and stuff like that. But, Jesus, but the Bible is 
identifying some category of people here in the Bible that no, 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 you don't keep company with such people. And I can show us from the Bible, Easter as examples of caveats around the love walk. And that's why we need to clearly define what love is. Because if we don't understand the characteristics of the God kind of love, many Christians will claim to keep loving people and they will keep giving themselves to the devil, demons, and demonically oppressed Christians. You may not find something like that in the dictionary, but I'm saying Christians who have given themselves to demonic practices. And you may ask, is that possible? Absolutely. Now, whatever you give your mind to will direct your behavior and your actions. And this is a principle that does not exclude the believer. Anybody, any human being, if they give their mind to dirty, disgusting, feudy, destructive content, it will affect their emotions, it will shape their behavior, and they will act out what they give their mind to. So when the Bible tells us to avoid obscenity, Avoid all those nude pictures, all those romantic movies, all those feudy, steamy movies, lusty movies. The Bible is saying to you that you are not immune to the corruption that can, you can get from watching those movies. Those movies can corrupt you. So if Apostle Paul himself tells you in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that evil companion, corrupt good manners, is also telling you that the things you feed your mind with will corrupt you. They can destroy you. Amen. So when you ask, is it possible for, for a believer to be demonic, to be demon-possessed in a sense? Uh, let me help you clarify it here because that might be a question in someone's mind. Now, you need to first of all understand that human beings are triune in nature. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The body, the physical body is what you can see. When you see people, you can see my face or you can kind of hear my voice because that's physical. You, you, to your senses, you can get it. You can see me or you can hear me. Now, your soul is a seat of your emotions, your mind, your will, what you do. That's a central, um, that's a central point that, that, that directs your behavior, your attitude, your actions. Right? Now, when a believer gives himself to horror movies, some demonic things, now they open up their soul to fear, to demons, to lust. And if your soul is open up to those things, what do you think you produce? you produce those things you feed your soul with. Now, your spirit, being born again, your spirit is born again. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that your spirit was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when a believer is participating in sin and they are taking, and they are taking in all of those content, opening themselves to demons, now demons can possess their body and their soul, but, they cannot, but the demons cannot possess their spirit because their spirit has been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So that is why you see a believer who's just fornicated and they still pray in tongues and you're thinking, how possible? Should the Spirit of God not have left them? No, because the Spirit of God and that ability to pray in tongues is of their spirit, not of their soul. Nobody speaks in by the Spirit speaking in tongues from their soul. I, I think when many believers begin to really understand spirit, soul and body, it will help you to be more practical in your love work help you build boundaries around yourself, know how to relate with people, know how to, you know, help you to manage expectations. 
Amen. If there's anything I'm not covering or I'm skipping because of my time, please send your comment, drop your comment, text me, and I can build on that in future meetings. Amen. Uh, some things I've touched on right now are, to a very much extent, is someone on their own. But based on what I'm talking about in terms of love work, I just feel I need to touch on them to clarify a few things so that you can really understand what I'm talking about. Now, so still, I'm talking about the love walk. Now, so I said anybody around you is your neighbor, right? But I try to help you to concentrate, to focus, not to take for granted the members of the body of Christ so that you don't love everybody else in the world and ignore the members of your real family, your spiritual family, the body of Christ. And I've also clarified that the fact that somebody claims to be a Christian does not mean that they're truly born again. So it's another thing for somebody to be born again. It's another thing for them to be a disciple of Jesus. So it is your responsibility. The onus lies on you and I to be able to identify true Christians and ensure that we serve them, we love them, we care for them. Please don't ignore true Christians to serve lustful, destructive, annoying Christians. Don't play this preferential, don't play this uh, preferential treatment. Because I see this a lot in bodies of in, in, in church, in local churches. So there are local churches that would not respect people who are actually living the true Christian life who uphold the value and the virtues of Christ, but they celebrate people who are morally ungodly, but they have the wealth, they have the look, they have the connections, they have the name, they have the fame. And these famous people, celebrities, are the face of the church. Even when they want to advertise the church, they advertise the church with the face of this corrupt Christians, many of whom are not truly born again or born again, but do not know Christ. So we need to bring this to the table and ensure that you will help you to see these things so that you don't practice them. These practices are evil. They are very common in many mega churches. And I thank God for a very few mega churches who uphold the value of Christianity. Amen. So please, you too, don't be corrupted by those practices of such pastors or Christian leaders. Look out for Jesus in people. People will live out the Christian life and value those people. Now, train your mind to respect and value people who represent Jesus. I repeat, train your mind to value and respect the few believers who love Jesus, represent Jesus, and practice true Christianity. The reason why I said train your mind is because naturally we are not wired to uh, love and esteem Christian virtues, biblical virtues. Naturally, we are not. So we have to train ourselves not to be selfish, not to be carried away by something that looks flashy, that looks gorgeous, that looks um, acceptable by all. Amen. Praise the Lord. So talking about the capacity to love, let's go to, book, to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 5. So still in the New King James Version, it reads, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I repeat, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
You know, I said earlier on the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, I said, when you and I believed, what happened? We were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, 13, let's quickly read it. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Putting those two scriptures together, the Bible tells us here that the moment you believed in Jesus and you received him as your Lord and your Savior, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And when you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, something also happened to you. The love nature of God came into you. Glory be to God. Now, the natural tendency of hate, resentment, bitterness, wickedness left you. The Bible says that if anyone be in Christ Jesus, they are a new creature. All things are passed away and all things become new. So when you gave your life to Christ, when you invited Jesus into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, these things happened to you. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You received a new nature, the God kind of nature, the holy nature. And that's why Paul, Apostle Paul in the Bible, when he's addressing Christians, he addressed them as saints, holy people. Not because of their conduct, not because of their mental state in terms of their morality, morality standard, but based on who they are in Christ Jesus. Now, the principle of faith is this, as it regards to identity. You don't, you, you, you don't become before you confess or before you believe. You don't become who God has called you to be before you start confessing it. No, you believe you are who God says you are. You confess it in line with what the Bible says and you begin to see it happen in your life. You begin to experience it in your exterior life, in your external life. Amen. So this is the principle of faith when it comes to identity. You hear more of this in our upcoming conference uh, on the 10th of June in here at Meeting Kings. Look out for the invitation. Um, this message will be up, up, updated with the links to that conference details. Get yourself registered. It's going to be life transforming. Some of the things I'm sharing here today are just a tip of the high spot compared to what you will get in a full day session on the 10th of June. Amen. So when it comes to identity, we don't feel before we believe. We believe we are who God says we are. Holy, righteous, blameless, bold, courageous, blessed. When we believe those things, our body and our mind begins to align themselves to them and we begin to experience this reality, this truth in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in parenting. Amen. So when Paul speaks or when he's saluting believers generally, he calls them saints. He calls them holy people of God. Despite the nonsense going on in the life of many of them. The, the Corinthians church is a typical example. He called them holy people, saints. And in 1 Corinthians 5, he started addressing the issue of sexual immorality in the church. So that should tell us that, wait, their desalitation to call them saints is not based on their action because it said, is <laughs> heard that there's sexual immorality among them and which is not, which should not even be, which is not even heard of among the, among unbelievers such that a person was having an affair with their stepmom. 
No, that's that's horrible. You say, who you did Christians do that? Yes, in the Bible. You know, many of the things you see in, in the world today among Christians, you don't surprise you. But if you understand spirit, soul, and body, and you listen to this message over and over, and you process it, you open the Bible, you understand it, you will see that it is important, even in your love work, that you establish healthy boundaries around you. Because not everyone have the spirit of Christ, because they're not born again, even though they claim to be Christians. And not everyone who are actually born again realizes that the moment you give your life to Christ, that's a starting point. That's a starting point of your Christian journey. Now you need to educate your mind to understand that you are now in a new kingdom. Because what is locked in your subconscious mind is what drives your attitude and your behaviors and your actions. Is what drives your subconscious reactions, its situation and instances. So, as we see in the Bible, that when you and I got saved, the sealing by the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost is in our spirit, but our mind still remains where it is. So, we need to start taking a new input and by the power of the Holy Ghost in our spirit, confirming those inputs we are taking in, we begin to experience transformation in our lives. So there's no such thing as coasting in the Christian faith. You can't coast. You know, Christianity is not a once and for all deal from the point of transformation. So it's not all about, I get saved and that's it. I can go about living the way I like. No, there's some guys out there. They are called demons, demonic, devils. They will make a mess of your mind. They will make a mess of your soul. They will work so hard to ensure that you don't have a tangible evidence of the, of, the, of the new life you have received in Christ Jesus. They will want you to doubt the reality and the reality of the truth and the power of the Christian faith. <laughs> they will do everything to ensure that you turn your back on God. You throw down the Christian faith and say, no, this is not real. This is not true. This is just an over. That's just, this is just an, a hype. They will do everything to get you to doubt. Except you come to churches like Transformers Church, where you are being lectured and taught the sound gospel. Amen. The things I teach, as many of you are aware, you don't, they are not mainstream on social. Amen. They are not mainstream. And you know that. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. God has given us the capacity to love like him. The capacity is in our spirit. But if we truly want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, okay, uh, something I also need to add. See, when you become a child of God, see, as you love thyself of that verse of the Bible, right, just to remind us, to love yourself as that Bible says, John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, that love yourself side of it changes something in you the new you no longer love yourself the way the world love itself. The new you is not selfish. But many times you, what you experience is selfishness in your mind. And that is why you need to be educated on this topic of the God kind of love. When the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, it's talking about a God kind of love, not a human kind of love. 
very soon we go into uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Now we look at the attributes, the qualities of love. Those qualities are in your spirit. But you need to give substance to them. You need to practice them. The Bible says faith without works is death. So if you believe that you are born again, you're a child of God, and you want to live the Christian life, you got to practice them. You got to know, first of all, what it is that you need to practice them. Boundaries also. I think I've touched it enough on boundaries. Not everyone who claims to be, to be Christian is a sound Christian. Please build healthy boundaries around yourself, your family. If a woman or man is seductive and lustful, flirtatious as a Christian, don't allow them in your home. Don't, those people should not be your babysitters. It's true. A flirtatious woman who delights and takes joy in flirting with men should not be your babysitter. Woman of God, please listen. No, I don't have anywhere to keep my kids. No, she's a Christian. She's good. She just has something in her head. She just don't, you know, she, that's, how, that's, just, that's just who she is. That's just who she is. And we need to love her, you know, because she's a Christian. She will wreck your home. Amen. A seductress should not be your best friend as a woman. Seduction means to lead astray. When you make a seductress your best friend, you know what happens? They have close connection with your family. And from time to time, as you expose them to your husband, your husband's guard will be down because the people you bring into your close proximity, into your home, you know, you, you cannot lose your defense system around them. Your, your, your hands are down. You know, you, you lose, you, you, you relax around them. And if a seductress, a professional seductress, is your best friend and your husband with time start losing, start, you know, losing his guard, I mean, letting down his walls because he loves you and you are, you, are, you know, he, he just loves you. And this is the person you call your best friend. Your friend, so-called friend, will lead him astray. Mark my words. That woman will lead him astray. Because the thing is, is seductress don't know boundaries. Hmm. Seductress do not know boundaries. Because of our time, I will not be able to go into 1 Corinthians 13. Because I will, I will need to really explain it and flesh things out. So we'll look at that next week. So let me try to... Pack this boundaries thing together. Um, pack, you know, let's let me wrap up with this boundaries side of the message. Yeah, see, doctors don't know boundaries. Or as a man, you have friends who are flirtatious. You know, they Casanova is the right word. You have a Casanova's friend, and you think he's harmless. A Christian, tongue-talking Christian, and you bring them into your home. Do you know that Casanova's that nature, that attitude? That ungodly character in their mind does not know boundary. No. Sleeping around with women, they, they don't have boundary. As long as the person looks like a woman, they will try to get them down. Regardless of whether they're your wife or not. I've seen things in my own life. I've seen, at least I saw a guy who was lost in after my wife's body and stuff like that. And um, he didn't even, you know, then we were not married then. And he didn't even, he didn't even, um, Keep it that that respect the fact I'm there. I was acting as if he was playing with my wife and things like that, but I knew what he was doing. If I see him around us, thank God I don't live in the US. Okay, you guys understand what it means. If I see him around my house, and each time, and after we got married, 
each time he calls, he only calls to greet my wife. Happy birthday. He was always on wanting to say hi to my wife. So there's another, so we had, there's a, there's a third friend. He's not a friend, so to say, I met him through someone kind of, so, but he kind of got close. And there's another guy who was trying to, friends, you know, recalling these instances in my mind is making me feel disgusting. I mean, it, it's, it irritates me. How believers can be so blind and not pick one in signs that can ruin their marriage or ruin their life. One of that guy who was a pastor was, trying, was still trying to get us to work together, connect us together, even though I flagged the matter with him to say, I caught this person, lost him after my missus before we got married, and this has been the attitude and things that he's been doing. And he recently was speaking to my wife, he said, this person's coming to the UK, uh, we should hang out. When I heard about it, the, the spirit of slap came upon me. I didn't slap, but this, I, I felt like the anointing of slap should come upon me. Are we all right? Am I making any sense at all? Now, these are Christians, talk-talking Christians, spirit-free Christians, teachers of the Bible, but do not understand the place of boundaries. You hear things like a man of God says, women are my best friend. Who says such thing? A married man. It makes no sense. Or a woman says, you know what, my best friend, I had that somewhere, my best friend are men. A married woman, your best friend are men. I don't understand. How are we thinking? I said, no, we've been friends before I got married. My husband must understand this. I must, 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 I mean, he, he must accept this fact because I love my friends. That love is selfish, is ungodly, is carnal. Because you're only looking at yourself. You're not thinking about your spouse. You're not thinking about, you're not thinking about your family. You're not thinking about your home. And when people have such attachment to friends, when the friend poses a threat to their life, to their destiny, to their marriage, to their kids, they don't see it. Any kind of love that is so inward looking, we have a lot of blind spots. And we have a lot of avenues, channels, doors through which the enemy can come in and destroy. Amen. So I've tried to show us that there are boundaries, even in the Christian walk. You got to know who you're walking, walking with. The Bible says, by their fruit, we shall know them. Don't judge people by their spiritual gift. We can't go into that next week. Don't judge people by their spiritual gift. Judge people by the demonstration of the Christ-like behavior and character in their life, which you must test over time. I'm not saying one year, I'm not saying two years. I've learned now that you have to test on people's character for even more than a year and two years. Amen. And don't ignore any red, any red flag. Friends, I was saying to you last week that we can love people because we are in the end times and we saw the attributes, some attributes that I listed last week. We saw, we, we, we all agree that some of these attributes can be found among many Christians today. Amen. Boundaries are important in your life in the Christian work. Healthy boundaries. You love people. I'll build, I'll build on this case next week. You love people, which means you are not selfish towards them. If they have a need, you can help them. You don't keep record of wrong, all kind of stuff. But any believer who is not living the Christian life, maintain proper distance. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, evil companionship will corrupt good manners. They will corrupt you. They will destroy you. They will destroy your home. They will destroy your marriage. And I'm not saying we should go witch hunting. I'm not, I'm not trying to point fingers. But I feel in my heart that we need to be educated. 
so that we do the right thing, we do the correct thing. We don't put ourselves in harm's way. Forget about it whether that man is a pastor or not. Forget about it whether he's a prophet. Forget about it. If it does not exemplify Christ, love them from afar. 